Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. And we're here again with our wonderful friend, Tempo. You know him, you love him, he's back. I hope you don't hate me, you know, but if you do, I respect <laughs> that, it's okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. Always, uh, always great to be back on the podcast. Uh, I'm still personally like trying to figure out how to be my best warrior, so, you know, we're, we're all striving yeah. to live a happy, healthy life, and... Uh, that's always, always what I'm about. So I'm always happy to talk and be on the podcast. Man, we're all, we're all always trying to figure out the best way to be a warrior. But one way that really helps, I'll tell you what, it doesn't hurt, is to buy locally raised meats and eggs. Let me tell you a little bit more about that tempo. We have a partnership with Apsi Farms. Apsi Farms is based out of Reed City, Michigan. It's about 25 minutes south of us. And I've been there. I've been on the grounds. I've had the tour. I've hunted there. I've uh, harvested deer from their property. And everything that comes off of that property is, is, is amazing. I can't say enough good things about it. Loaded with minerals, nutrients, and vitamins that you will not find in your grocery store aisle meats. So here's what you need to do. Go to apsifarms.com and build yourself in order because guess what? Even if you don't live in the great state of Michigan, they'll ship it to your front door. They ship to about 40 states in the great U.S. of A. So if you are lucky enough to be one of those states, place your order. And when you go to check out, use coupon code WARRIOR10. That's W-A-R-R-I-O-R and the number 10. To get 10% off your first order. And I'm I'm telling you what, we eat this shit every single day. Every day, Tempo. Do you like real and food? Sure sounds like a great example of it. Go get hell it. Hell yeah. Pasture raised, grass fed, grass finished. They take their time. They do it right. It's all good. I'm telling you. We're going to do a tour uh, pretty soon. Once the snow kind of melts, we're going to do a, a YouTube tour of the farm. Uh, because it'll, I think it'll give people a, an extra sense of what they're all about. It's awesome. 240 acres of rolling hills, woods, and fields where those cattle and those pigs and those chickens get to feast on the green grasses. So, Tempo, did you make your order yet? We talked about this. Did you make your order yet? No, I actually reached out to Aspie Farms. Uh, I I was honestly... Like, considering we just had, like, a recent grocery shop, but guess who's going to yeah. be getting in some Apsy Farms real soon? This guy, so. I'm guessing you and you and your wife. Yeah, me and my <laughs> wife. We love it. No, <laughs> we, we always like real effing food around the house, so I'm, I'm yeah. so excited. And having a partner like that in Apsy Farms, like, shout out to them. Like, keep doing what you're doing yeah. because my space is more about healthy lifestyle and just telling people to improve their overall health. And a great way to do that is by latching on to regenerative agriculture like these guys are doing. Yeah. So just please go out and get it because I will get it after my – it'll yeah. be my next grocery shopping list. I'll just go straight Hell on yeah. to Pepsi Farms. The other thing about it too is – and if you listen to that episode with Kyle, you'll, you'll get learned about this stuff. 
regenerative agriculture can literally save the world because it heals the soil, it heals the land, it it takes carbon dioxide out of the air and into the ground, which the plants use. And so we're gonna we're gonna fix pollution one pasture farm at a time. So if you're in one of those states that's not lucky enough to have an APSI farm delivery, go to eatwild.com and find a local pasture farm near you. And even if, you know, if you're somewhere even where Epsi Farms does deliver and you want to check out a more local source, totally respect that. Go to eatwild.com, find a local farm near you, and go and check it out. Check out the cattle, check out the pigs, check out the chickens. Don't choke your chicken, but check it out. And you will be very pleased. All happy animals. I love going and, like, getting to pet the animals and getting to know them a little bit. It, it makes eating less uh, of just another thing. It's more of like a connective, connective event. So love it. We're going to end it there. But the good segue from that is the cool thing about pastured meats and eggs is they are good for your gut. And that's what we're going to be talking about today with Mr. Fleming over there. We're going to be talking about gut health. We've been referencing gut health in a lot of episodes recently. You might be sitting there asking yourself, what the hell is gut health? And why do these people keep talking about it? Because I don't know what it is. And so we are going to dive into that a little bit today and give you a jumping off point to figure out what gut health is all about and why it's important. So, are you excited, Tempo? Oh, yeah, I'm very excited. I'm actually getting gut problems just thinking about talking about this. I might have to leave during this podcast, too, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> No, but ultimately, talking about gut health, it's just great because we have to understand that when it comes to, like, metabolic physiology and just how the body responds is that they're all interconnected. You all might have noticed this before when you got gut issues. You also might have some anxiety, some depression, like... All of these kind of things are interconnected with each other, and the beauty of physiology is that we all have these systems. We have the endocrine system. We have the cardiovascular system. You know, a lot of people need to focus more on the gut, and uh, everybody's different, and, you know, every patient, you know, loves hearing that. Um, And ultimately, when it comes to gut health, we just have to understand that, okay, we have to figure out what is going to work for us, what healthy lifestyle practices we can do to improve our gut, and also just be aware of certain things that can actually wreck the gut long term. So let's just let's just get right into it and talk about gut. Yeah, so I have a good gut feeling that this is going to be a great episode. We're going to start off with sort of the general question of what is gut health? We talk about the microbiome, we talk about gut health, what is it? Yeah, so gut health in itself um, is much more complicated than most people think. But if we want to simplify things and just keep it, you know, easy for people to understand, ultimately, having good gut permeability, meaning that you have good gut bacteria, and you're not having a high exposure of bad gut bacteria. Um, So the fact that you're eating able to eat a wide variety of diverse real food options is going to increase your gut permeability. So you're going to have a lot more good gut uh, gut bugs floating around, making sure that they're fighting off any type of those three I's that I mention all the time, which is infections, immune responses, and inflammation. So when you have a higher amount of bad bacteria versus uh, not having enough good gut bacteria, you're 
fighting against those three eyes becomes a lot more difficult. And off of that point, more symptoms can come your way. And like we were saying, how everything's connected and a lot of issues can stem from the gut, it can actually exacerbate to other areas of the body. Um, so to sum things up simply, gut health is being able to have good gut permeability with good gut bacteria floating around our system, being able to reintroduce a lot more beneficial foods and diversity of foods into your diet and being able to make sure you're not constantly exposing yourself to all those bad bugs or that bad gut bacteria. That is simply the answer to gut health and the gut microbiome is something we are still trying to figure out and understand all of its complexities. It's crazy because it's so complex. It's also very simple when you when you just break down you know, what gut health is, it's very simple, but it's also, the more you dig into it, it's like this big giant, you've entered into a a whole different world, which is kind of, that's what it is. Like there's little beings living inside of your, your gut. And that's why it's so complicated because we don't fully understand that. But there are two pieces of this that are also very important. We have probiotics and we have prebiotics. So. I want you to tell us what the difference is. What is a probiotic? What's a prebiotic? Sure. Very good point. Um, So when we're talking about probiotic bacteria, so this is something that is going to be establishing a good gut garden, as I would like to say. So that means... Yeah, ooh, gut garden. It doesn't sound as gross as when you think of the gut. Um, but but ultimately, probiotics, you'll see this a lot in supplementation. You'll see a lot of people using probiotics as a way to kind of help ease symptoms of gut health or just trying to make sure that they have good working gut bacteria. And that's simply what probiotics are, is that you're trying to feed your garden with a large abundance of uh, probiotics that are actually going to be extremely beneficial to those three eyes I've mentioned. So the infections, the inflammation, the immune responses, we need to have a good defense mechanism of good gut bacteria in our system. And that's what probiotics are, just good gut bacteria. Now, pre- now prebiotics in itself, those are ones that are designed to enhance those probiotics. So you can't really enhance anything if you don't start from something. So when a lot of people talk about having a good amount of prebiotics in their diet, that's all great. But if you have not a good army or a good defense of probiotics where you don't have already established good gut bacteria, then enhancing uh, those probiotics is not going to do anything. You have to feed your garden first. With all of the types of probiotics, make sure you establish good gut bacteria, and then the benefit of prebiotics comes in combination with having a good gut flora. So So would you say, uh, to to make like a comparison, probiotics is the soil. So we're talking about gardens. We're going to roll with that. Sure. Probiotics is like your soil. It's the base of a good gut. Prebiotics are, are the fertilizer that help increase the probiotics, you know, usefulness. Is that is that a good absolutely, example? Absolutely correct. That's wonderful. So you have to have a good soil to start things, but then how you treat that soil is like an example of prebiotics. So maintaining a Man. good gut flora makes I'm a titillated huge... by this. Oh, yes. I told you, you know, some this people is, are going to have is gut the, issues. This is the episode title, <laughs> The Gut Garden. 
Yeah, the gut garden, because a lot of people in in relation to what we were talking about, regenerative agriculture and all those things, is that we want to be able to use healthy and a wide variety of diverse foods that are going to improve your defense, you improve your actual gut bugs that you have in your body. And like yeah. we've seen on supplements and everything else, guess what? There's over a billion different types of like probiotics, you'll have lactobacillus rotori, you'll have lact lactobacillus, um, there's a wide variety of uh, examples off of that, but we need to introduce our body to a lot more and expose our body to a lot more gut bugs so that our garden is going to flourish. And then you combine that with things that maintain the soil, like prebiotics, then no one's going to mess up your garden. Like, you're going to have a great defense against infection, inflammation, and immune response, and minimize symptoms at the end of the day. Less bloating, less constipation, less gas, you know? A lot of people, if you were first dating somebody, or, like, you were trying to, like, you know, introduce yourself, how many farts have men held in um, <laughs> to prevent, like, all those symptoms? We don't want so any of many. We don't want any of those symptoms. So a lot of people can minimize those by establishing a good gut flora, a good defense, and then enhancing that with prebiotics. Tell you what, this is going to sound gross, but everyone's going to be able to relate to this. When you first start dating and you are the entire date, you're holding in your flatulence the entire time. And then when the person leaves and goes back home and they walk out the door, or they get out of the car, or whatever, that first like magical eruption of fart <laughs> the angels have come down from the heavens <laughs> it's like angels yeah. trumpeting like out of your ass no, <laughs> we are so ready <laughs> no, no but that's what it is but that's the other thing too is that off of that point like yes all of these are going to be natural human you know bodily fun functions that we're going to have but how frequent do you want those to occur sure like that's kind of the big point and the big send away is like do i want to be in those symptom circumstances whether that's internal or external like right. a lot of people just don't want to deal with that and if your lifestyle choices like your eating patterns or like just maybe doing periods of fasting or any type of thing that's going to help improve the status of your gut and those symptoms then yeah. more power to you and that's what a lot of people prefer is that i want to do what works that keeps my gut working well and what i can do to enhance it right so a lot of people talk about your gut being your second brain what or why is your gut considered your second brain well, like I was saying earlier, everything is interconnected. So like when there is an actual like gut response that's going on. So say, for example, some people have like SIBO, like uh, like small intestine bacterial overgrowth where bad bugs are taking over the actual like uh, garden, if you will. And a lot of those types of complications, they're, they're going to be neurotransmitters. There's going to be signals sent to the brain like, hey, you better fix that. Like, there, there's like, we're, we're playing defense right now, and we need to be able to kind of fix these things. And this is where we also get a lot of people who report with GERD, um, like gastro reflux a lot, that sometimes those are also going to be interconnected to the heart. Um, so any type of defense or any type of you know, response that the body is going to have, other types of systems are going to also be on alert and see if we can actually control this fight or flight or uh, response that we're dealing with. So 
for example, with a gut response, if you have somebody that is like having like constipation or they're having this bloating or whatever the case may be to the mind, that's, you know, that can be either a minor threat or a major threat. And there's going to be the hypothalamus that is actually going to respond to that threat um, and think about, like, what can we do to fix it? But then there's the amygdala, where that's where it's controlling your emotions and how you feel and how you're going to alleviate that stress response. This is where we start to have a lot of the gut issues start to impact our brain health. So I, I've said it time and time before, we have people that have had gut issues for long periods of time. I know I went through my own personal gut issues, and it's an ongoing trial and tribulation. Like it's you got to keep working on it. But just remember, if you find what the root cause is, it's going to alleviate a lot more of the secondary factors that can come with it. So if when I had gut issues and I had a lot of those problems, I also started to have anxiety with that too. So it was sending to my body, like, I'm fight or flight. Like, you need to fix this. You need to do something. And ultimately, sometimes the things we do aren't always the best thing for our gut. It actually doubles down and makes it worse. So ultimately, we have to understand that first things first, our gut is connected to all of our other types of systems, and whatever happens down here can affect up here. It can affect right in the, right in the center. All those things can be truly affected, and ultimately, if you're able to fix that gut issue or at least minimize those symptoms, then you might start to see relief in other parts of the body's metabolism. I remember... Uh, your your first line of defense when your when your tummy didn't feel good was fiber bars. <laughs> oh, back to the college days, everybody. Yes. If you want to, if you want to know how imperfect I am, I used to eat a ton of like all the oh fiber God, bars so because <laughs> when I had gut issues, my only instinct was that oh, I got to get rid of this, and what's yeah. the best way to get rid of it? Well, just eat more fiber. Um, and <laughs> and, and yeah, this dudes would like overdose on all the fiber bars. Yeah. And the, and, and just to my point, it's like when you had this issue, a lot of people would say, oh, this is going to be the solution. But actually, the solution was doubling down on the problem. Like, I didn't refeed my gut bugs with the right things. I just wanted to evacuate anything that was down below. Yeah. And and that's where those gut signals start to come into play is that you would think that a solution as simple as eat more fiber, which is a standard recommendation for gut health, well, maybe too much fiber is actually causing your gut issue. And a lot of people who love eating plants, just like I do on a regular basis, a lot of people don't like hearing that maybe you are eating too much fiber individually. Maybe you're not eating enough. So it all depends on the individual, but we need to kind of see what foods trigger these responses. How can we minimize those responses? And ultimately, sometimes you just got to talk to a health coach, somebody that has gone through those same similar problems as well, rather than just going to the standard, oh, eat more fiber if you got gut yeah. problems. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, that'll solve all of your all of your gut issues and improve right. your garden, even though it just turned my garden to shit. It turned your garden into a wasteland. Pretty but much. that's what we all do. I mean, like when we didn't feel good back in those days, what do we do? We just purged it out in whatever way we could, basically. So guilty I mean, of the quick fix, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's a, that was that was the guilt of the quick fix, you know. So you talked about a lot of things that come from uh, their signs of gut distress. So like you're experiencing anxiety, 
uh, a lot of different emotions tied to it. What other uh, are some of the major signs that your gut health is in distress? Yeah, very, very good question. So a lot of it can stem from there's so many different rabbit holes that you can go down, but ultimately we, we want to emphasize lifestyle first, you know, with RFF lifestyle, with Aspie Farm, uh, APSI Farms, eating real food and getting good gut diversity is going to be your start. And what also is just going to be simply indicated and in causing more gut distress is high refined sugars, high refined carbohydrates, these vegetable oils that are also heavily toxic and, you know, bleach deodorized and then put in a bottle. We've talked about this before, but ultimately when you have this combination of ultra processed food, there's just so much evidence that, Hey, this is going to cause a lot of gut distress. Um, but there's also things that a lot of people may not be aware of that can actually make you more susceptible. Like high usage of antibiotics has been a reason yeah, why we people have to, that. Yeah, a lot of people tend to have bad gut flora as a result of constantly chronically treating, you know, yeah. infections, immune responses, and inflammation with antibiotics. Right. Um, it, it's even as simple as like if you're if you're sore or you have a little a, a boo boo. And you're taking like ibuprofen, like Advil, that's still extremely detrimental, let alone all these other things like Vicodin and Percocet and all these other heavy duty. Uh, and then they, you know, the antibiotics on top of that, because that's literally what they're doing is removing bacteria, good or bad. <laughs> so all of these prescription pills are, uh, are making your gut health like a, instead of a garden. It is a wasteland. Well, and like I've said, even with my cardiovascular patients that like I've even mentioned that antibiotic treatment relying on it constantly is very similar to statin therapy. Um, so like a statin to lower your cholesterol. Yeah, in a certain percentage, it's going to reduce your risk of a cardiovascular event. But the real issue when it comes to root cause medicine, whether that's the gut or the heart, you know, what you're doing with a statin is that you're just lowering the total amount of cholesterol whether it's good or bad sure. but it's the same thing with antibiotics we're killing two birds with one stone but we're also killing the good and the bad and ultimately what we need to do with both heart health and with gut health is how can we enhance or make our cholesterol better how can we enhance our gut garden like that's what we should be focusing on root cause rather than just like lowering the good and lowering the bad all at the same time so um, let's talk about things. So we're talking about some of these issues or signs that you're in gut distress. And obviously the antibiotics and prescription pills is a, is a big one. What are some other foods that harm our microbiome? Yeah, so this is where individuality comes into play. Um, we've talked about this before just with uh, food insensitivities. So we have a lot of people that just don't really have the enzyme lactase to break down lactose. Lactase is anything that ends in ACE, A-S-E, is a enzyme that's going to break down foods. But then you have OSE, 
which is OSE, that is actually going to be a sugar molecule. So food sensitivities like lactose intolerance or having people with gluten intolerance, this is where you start getting into the individuality of people. These small subset populations are likely to have issues with introducing these foods on a regular basis just because they can't break it down or they just have a lot of like issues overall. Um, ultimately, when you change macronutrients, that's also going to play a role. Like if you eat too much fat or if you eat too many fi too much fiber, like we talked about, or if somebody like is trying to break down like protein as people age, they have a harder time like breaking down protein at the end of the day, even though protein is very vital for you as you age. So this is where a balance of macronutrients comes into play. Um, and ultimately, when you're dealing with a lot of these other types of, you know, gut issues that can occur, a lot of it can be due to acidity um, as well. So if you're having a lot more carbonated beverages or if you feel like you're having a higher pH level when it comes to consuming like more like carbonated products like pops and soda, not just including the sugar that comes with it, but also just the carbonation aspect. Does that Some people are also the, sensitive to that. The carbonation, does that also include like sparkling water? Yeah, it can. But okay. the, uh, like I said, to individual context, a lot of people can have a very good tolerance when it comes to having a higher pH level. Some mm. people don't. So okay. it's if you add somebody, for example, say you've got somebody who is, you know, has diabetes, but then they also like are very sensitive gut wise to like carbonated beverages. And then they ask me what's healthier, a Coke or Diet Coke. I would say neither. Because there's too much acidity and then you got to break down all that sugar when your pancreas is already blown out to begin with. So we have to understand that individual context. The less sugar and the less artificial chemicals that can wreck your gut, the better. But it's all about tolerance level. And those are things that are important to bring up. Food insensitivities and higher pH levels with carbonation can also be minor setbacks with gut issues like bloating, constipation. Diarrhea in some cases with macronutrients a lot when people start shifting that diet around. Um, those are just some other prime examples that can come to light. Now, we talked a little bit about highly processed foods, but I want to I bring that up again, is our highly processed foods, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking like fast foods and stuff that comes in a box in the store, are, are those going to be good for your gut, bad for your gut? I mean, we've we've come to know those foods as like dead foods because there's not really a whole lot of microorganisms still around after that level of processing. So what's what's your take on that? Bad. <laughs> They're bad. They're bad. Okay. For, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, bad for your gut. And like if we're really trying to work with somebody that has gut issues and has poor gut permeability or they're not getting enough probiotics and prebiotics in their foods, those dead foods don't have it either. Um, and a lot of things that we like take for granted when it comes to like just food items in general, we talk about things in a bag and a can in a box, like all those things. Yeah, they can add those types of good gut bacteria in there if they wanted to or you could take a supplement but at the end of the day there are a lot of things that get added into that processed modern food environment that actually just don't 
help the gut. So it's like if I give you a prescription for something that improves gut symptoms but also gives you something that's going to right. worsen your gut health, those are the things that can come with processed food. So if you always have like a supplement that is also attached to sugar or attached to vegetable oils, right. like you might think that you're doing well for your gut health and your gut garden, but you're actually just canceling these two things out and you might not get the progress that you're looking for, especially when you go inside of the aisles versus where all the diversity should be on the outside right. of the aisles. That's a, so there's, there's two things. Um, the first one you're talking about either prescription, like probiotic supplements or the ones you can buy at, you know, at the store, at the grocery store, at a health food store, whatever. Are those good to supplement your probiotic intake or should you be relying on natural foods and, you know, we're going to talk about foods that help microbiome. Should we be relying more on those or the supplements? I mean, are they good? Are they bad? What's the story on them? Yes, I would say just the real thing is always better. That is always okay. the first and primal answer that I would give you is that better to find things with probiotics and prebiotics in the wilderness or in your natural habitat than just relying on supplements. I will you tell can, you personally. I mean, you can literally eat their probiotic gummies. You know what I mean? And it's like, wait, hold up. <laughs> right, exactly. But this is what's interesting, too. Like, we're obviously going to be talking about foods and reintroducing things that are going to help your gut um, ultimately. But then I, a lot of people just with dietary preferences, they're like, no. I'm not going to have that. So, so ultimately, this is where it comes. The uh, this is the main simple breakdown: real food and a diversity of real food is going to improve your gut garden. That is first. To individuals who have different dietary preferences, or they just feel like they're not getting enough enhancement from the foods they like, supplementation is so beneficial. But it's to complement your primary lifestyle, and those supplements of probiotics. The one thing that you need to be aware of is that they can add whatever they want to it. Supplements are not really regulated by the FDA, so uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's good or bad. Not that the FDA that, gives a shit about us anyway. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about that too. But with that, with that being said, there's no checks and balances that can come from a lot of supplements. So the supplement industry in itself is extremely beneficial, but it also has a lot of its downsides. Sure. Yeah. And when you're getting probiotics, prebiotics, stuff like that, the real thing's always better, but you mm -hmm. must read your ingredients labels. Make yep. sure that it doesn't say any soybean oil. Make sure it doesn't say any artificial sweetener or sugar. Don't get yep. the Flintstone probiotics. <laughs> you know, you want to get supplements in the form of probiotics that is first from a trusted source. And on that label, it only says cellulose, which is just a fancy way of saying right. a vegetable capsule, whatever it's held in, or a hard tab, that can be just as good, but make sure it doesn't have all of those additives and all that yeah. processed junk that can wreck your gut. Because I will just say there are good supplement companies. This isn't coming out and saying like all supplement companies are out to get you and they're all, you know, bad for you and, and whatever. There are some really high quality supplement companies out there. You just got to like do your research a little bit. And also another good piece of advice on supplements. Bones and I have talked about this before. Shop small, like smaller supplement companies tend to have better basis of ingredients. So like one that we use a lot is earth fed muscle, uh, Jocko's company that like Jocko line of products. So anyone that listens to Jocko's podcast, he has a line of supplements that are surprisingly very good 
And then even if you look at bigger companies, there are a few that do a good job. I like First Form is a good is a good supplement company. They seem to use pretty high quality ingredients, but just look at the ingredients. It's really easy when you when you read your protein, your whey protein supplement or whatever supplement, read your ingredients. If something doesn't make sense to you and it's like, wait, hold up a second, just look into it a little bit. It'll help. It'll help in the long run. So here's an in-between. It was sort of like the um, the supplement question. Raw milk. So raw milk is something that's really interesting because it's not pasteurized. The process of pasteurization sort of kills bacteria. Um, which, and, and, and then makes milk. So what the, you know, what the mainstream food culture wants us to believe is safe. Um, what are your thoughts on raw milk and is it good for us? Is it bad for us? Yeah, I would say just personally, like when it comes to people who are raised on a farm, most of the time you don't need to tell them how to eat. Um, just because they know where their, they don't, they just know where their food comes from. And I think that's one of the biggest points too, is that. There is a tolerance level at the end of the day, but a lot of people will use raw, good gut bacteria milk on their farms and just be able to get, like, knowing how their animal is raised or knowing where their food comes from just plays a huge role. Yeah. To an extent, do I drink raw milk? I got to be honest with you, no, Um, Mm -hmm. just because our availability of raw milk is actually not as readily available. (laughs) And it's not, you can't buy it in, you can't buy it in stores. It's not available. It's not a product product that can be sold legally inside of a grocery store. So yeah, I mean, living in an inner city, like Chicago, it would be tough to acquire yeah. said product. <laughs> yeah, should I just go around the sidewalks? Everybody, why aren't you drinking enough raw milk? It's like, right. where, the, where do we get it? Like, <laughs> like yeah. around here. So, but but it's important for people to understand is that knowing where their food comes from and raw milk, it's going to have a lot more of its natural ingredients, especially gut bacteria. That's going to be very beneficial. But I've also had a lot of people that have had dairy intolerances as they start to go closer towards adulthood so some people are like raw milk sounds great i've had it for life and it works good but then some people they wean themselves off and they end up having like gut issues when it comes to reintroducing dairy so um but ultimately i would say individual context matters if somebody likes drinking raw milk and it really and they have minimal gut symptoms and they're thriving and feeling alive keep doing it it doesn't hurt to like stop. Um, it's only going to help. But if you are somebody that has bad gut symptoms and, or you haven't really done food sensitivity tests and you haven't really gone into like seeing if you have a lactose intolerance, then my suggestion is that if you are interested in raw milk, that you got to start slow. You, you would want to reintroduce and expose yourself to these types of natural food products slowly to see how your gut reacts and responds. And you can even try things like uh, we started getting raw milk cheese. So I love cheese. I would eat only cheese if I could. (laughs) Um, But we have been getting, we've been experimenting with various brands of like raw sharp cheddar. And that's been a good introduction. We, We have drank raw milk in the past and we're getting back to we want to get more into like that's all we consume as far as milk goes because i like to drink milk but raw milk is totally different from the milk you buy in the store milk you buy in the store really like really is kind of flavorless and bland raw milk is like man it's popping <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's yeah. it's i mean it tastes what, what like what milk should taste like so um 
it's pretty crazy. But I I love that advice, like starting slow. And that's that's a, the, the best way you can go about it. Because if you're going down a 16-ounce glass of raw milk right now, your stomach is probably going to be upset. <laughs> exactly. And this is why, just like with lifestyle implementation and intervention, like you got to start from somewhere and you got to meet the person where they're at. So like when you're dealing with you know, somebody who has gut issues, but they're trying to eat more of a natural, like diverse array of foods and they haven't had raw milk before or even had it in a long time, then yeah, you got to microdose. You got to, you got to start slow and introduce these types of foods. And the same thing goes when people start doing elimination diets to improve their gut. So some people will just go carnivore based. Some people will just like they'll, they'll plant based. They'll cut out something that they think might be the culprit. And then once they start to thrive and feel alive and everything's going well, then they slowly start to reintroduce these types of foods and see if it plays either a positive or negative role on their gut health or their overall health in general. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you're interested in getting into like raw milk or whatever, you know, we're, t- we're talking about Apsi Farms a lot. That type of farm, milk, raw milk is a byproduct of the cows that they work with already. So if you're interested in getting into that, go to your local farmer. I guarantee you they'll either sell you some or let you have raw milk and see if it's for you. So um, if it's right for you, give it a try. So going off of that, what other foods are going to help with gut health? Yeah. So when we are talking about things like, especially reintroducing your gut garden and being able to like enhance that, um, a lot of people have benefited, benefited from kefir, um, which is just another type of fermented dairy that a lot of people use. Remember, don't get the BS, you know, high sugary type of kefir. That's something you could slowly reintroduce. Um, But then you also have a lot of other things that can benefit people. It just depends on the person. But you have a lot of things that like kombucha, you also have uh, like dandelion root, you have chicory root, which is like a lot of people will call it New Orleans coffee, um, which is like a decaffeinated different type of root that people mix in to help with prebiotic. Um, but then you also have things like sauerkraut, chim, uh, kimchi, like a lot of those tend to be very, very rich sources of probiotic and prebiotic. So that's always like a great real food option um, that can be very beneficial. And then also just getting back to fermenting your foods, like you've mentioned, like fermented cheeses, um, just like different fermented forms of dairy. Like a lot of those are going to come packing with a bunch of good gut bacteria and exposing yourself to gut bacteria that you might have lost in our modern food environment or ones that you're just low in. And uh, those are just a, that's a great starting point with those. Just kefir, yogurt, plain yogurt, fat, fat, not fat free. I'm saying full fat yogurt. Um, Yeah. Without all the BS added to it. And then you've got sauerkraut, kimchi, dandelion root, chicory roots. Like these are all great alternatives to start with. And also getting a wide variety of fruits and vegetables. Um, that's also going to be great, not only for antioxidant properties, reducing inflammation, but it's also going to be extremely beneficial to add that diversity to the gut garden like we've been talking about. I think some of the stuff like kimchi, sauerkraut, sourdough bread, um, kombucha, those are all things that are going to be readily available at your local grocery store. You can also make your own kombucha. You can make your own sourdough. You have to have a sourdough starter 
um, that you sort of treat like a pet. You have to feed it every day. And it, it's it, a little bit of a process, but once you start to do it, it becomes a lot more simple and it's just good. Like homemade sourdough bread is just good. But the cool thing about fermenting on top of the fact that it's got all the gut bugs in it that are, that are going to be good. You can ferment damn near anything. We we've been looking into doing like fermented ketchup, like fermented salsa, all these, all of these things that we are already going to consume and you can just ferment them. And so they make cool like mason jars. So you put all the, whatever you're going to ferment in a mason jar. There's a lid on it that has like a bubbler. And if you've ever made beer, you know what that fermentation process is like. Or if you've seen like whiskey being made or whatever, you've seen what that fermentation process looks like. So your thing can sit in the jar, have the cap on it with the bubbler, and it lets the gas go naturally, which is helpful because then you don't have to mess with it. Otherwise, you're going to have to open the jar up and let it out. Otherwise, your jar is going to explode if you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I think that this is also beneficial, too, like getting back to the homemade concept of reintroducing and improving your gut. I think I think this is where, like, a lot of us can learn from each other. At the end of the day, like, I'll tell you, like, the metabolic physiology and, like, how the, you know, how your probiotics and prebiotics are great. But at the end of the day, everything that you just said, I just learned a ton from. Like, (laughs) I don't know how to make this stuff at home like i feel it's like, super like, easy i know but a lot easy. of people a lot of people go to the granular they go to the extreme to try and right. figure out simple solutions to a healthy life and you mentioned a great point like if we get back to this more nature home-based approach and we just kind of learn like hey if i got a problem maybe i could do this on the home front you know like those are types of things that you know not only the weekly warriors about but we're all trying to learn how to improve our overall health some of us need more in the cooking aspect some people want us to know a lot more about the science and the physiology and how the body works like i feel like those two things go hand in hand and you can learn so much from the fermentation process like how things can be vacuum sealed prepared frozen like foods that we need to stop throwing out and we need to figure out ways to reintroduce them and hold on to their uh actual benefits as long as we can and those are great examples i love what you said i i think this was a excellent point and i don't want people to miss this you said eat like a farmer eat like a farmer because they are consuming these products that they're making most of the time they're making themselves their meat meat products and vegetables are probably coming from sustainable local sources, preferably like, you know, immediately local. They're coming from the garden outside and the cows are coming from the field outside and whatever. And then talking about all these fermented foods and sourdough bread, all of these things sound really hard. But when you start to get into it and you start to have sort of like a production around it, um, it becomes a lot easier. So not that there's any major health benefits to this, but a good example of this is Connor and I started making our own vanilla extract with organic, you know, vanilla beans and uh, whatever. And you go to the store and you go and buy that teeny little bottle of vanilla extract. It's what, 10 bucks for legit, pure, organic vanilla extract for like a two ounce bottle. We're making it in liquor size bottles, fifth size bottles for, uh, you know, I don't know. $20 a bottle maybe. And, and that's, that's going to let, and we've given it as gifts. We've used a bunch of it and it's just better. And so I think returning to that simplicity of the home front and more of a homestead 
you can do it in inner city Chicago, you can do it in northern Michigan, you can do it in California. It doesn't matter where you live, you can accomplish these things. I mean, shit, you can buy all this stuff online and they'll deliver it to your front door. <laughs> right, right. And well, and that's also a very good point with just like the foods that we like take for granted sometimes. Like I've said before, we have an abundance problem rather than like an actual like uh, like shortage of food. We have so much food readily available. And the, the main emphasis is how can we optimize the foods that are going to improve our health and reduce our health care costs at the end of the day. And that's all by getting a lot of these reintroduced healthy foods, not only for your gut, but for your heart, for your brain, all those types of things. That's going to lower your costs in the long run. But we also need to be able to make this more of a affordable type thing as well we if you're on a budget i know some people they just like yeah i i don't know if i can buy like these like well-raised organic foods but at the end of the day like you got to start somewhere like and the best way to start is on the outside of the aisles and then you wash off your food and make sure that they don't have pesticides or any like types of additives if you can't buy organic food or buying leaner meat because you don't know how it's raised like we we want to be able to understand that the home front uh, attaching ourselves back to real food as a healthy and thriving way to improve our overall health. But we also have to start somewhere and meet all individuals where they're at. So if they're outside on the grocery store, you're going to be much better off. Once you get that momentum going, then you can start looking into your local butcher, your local garden, or starting your own, you know, learning more about these things. We have to start somewhere and, you know, we can always improve our health once we get that ball rolling. That's a good point because before a couple of years ago, we weren't doing any of this stuff. It was always fun to kind of like talk about and think about, but realistically, this has been within the last two years that Connor and I have started to live more this way. Really, since we were, you know, we were lucky enough to be able to buy a house and and have our own space and you know whatever, but that has allowed us to really dive in deep. And a lot of it too, like you're talking about starting somewhere, start looking on Facebook and making some connections with like a local farmer, a local uh, gardener. We were, for a while, we were part of a co-op in Big Rapids, Michigan, where we paid a certain amount every year and we were allowed to purchase. Um, and it can't like, we, so we spent like $500 every six months. And we would go in and pick all of these like organic, awesome vegetables from this. It was, it was a decent sized vegetable farm, but all we had to do was make that connection. And it was like, boom, easy. Every Thursday we pick up our veggies and then we would get our monthly, you know, delivery of meat from, at that point we were going through provision family farms and white cloud because we didn't know about APSI. But anyway, I like like starting somewhere, make some connections, sh- like you said, shop on the outside of the aisle, but I'm not going to lie. This is this is crucial enough for your health for some of this stuff that you need to start doing it as soon as possible. If you don't make enough money, figure out a different way to make more money. If you need to get educated to get a better job, you have to do it. Like don't become a victim and be like, "Well, I don't know how to, I don't make enough money and I don't know how to do it." There's lots of jobs out there that'll pay you plenty to be able to do this stuff. And if you if it's too expensive where you live, move to a different place. That's I I don't think that that should be a valid excuse for people, especially people that we care about, to be like, well, maybe we'll do it someday. It's like no, someday is now because ten years from now you're going to be paying for these decisions with 
thousands of dollars out of your pocket instead of maybe a couple hundred. So I love like, yeah, start somewhere because you have to start somewhere, but don't wait too long <laughs> to start. <laughs> and what, and what is your return on investment? Like with that, yeah. when you start eating real food yes. and you start like, you know, improving those gut bugs that we keep talking about in this podcast. Yeah. Like, I mean, the main goal that a lot of people have is that when they have gut issues, they're like, I don't want these gut issues anymore. So if most of my investment goes towards my health and, you know, my overall, like, and metabolism and everything starts to improve like that's that's what i call a good investment and what i think just off your point like when people are starting somewhere and just improving and i you know what i i have this all the time when people say like food is healthy food is too darn expensive like no we're, i think we're just giving mixed signals on what healthy food is like people would say eggs are bad and then they say eggs are good eggs are have vitamin a vitamin E, B6, B12, choline, protein, like at the end of the day, that's going to satiate you. It's going to make you feel full, regardless of what inflation is and where it's at right now. At the end of the day, eggs, having two eggs a day, like with maybe a little salt and pepper or maybe some vegetables that you bought from your store or from your local garden or, you know, from farmer's market. It, that's not a heavy cost. What ends up being the heavy cost at the end of the day is all of those types of medications and heavy reliance on things that are temporarily going to fix your and hospital bills. All those things are going to temporarily or acutely fix your gut issues when in actuality, we might not get into the root cause of the problem, which is putting more investment into my health and seeing if I can minimize these symptoms on my own. Less reliance on medical systems in general is going to be much better for our medical system as a whole anyway. I I think that's one of our fundamental issues as a country right now as a whole is our reliance on these just just come into the hospital and we'll fix you. Um, And yeah, obviously, there's going to be things that that happen like, oh, I snapped my arm in half. I definitely need to go to the hospital right now. But some of this stuff, if you just explore some alternative options, you're going to save your life and hopefully the lives of your loved ones because they get on the bandwagon the bandwagon about it so breaking that reliance on the thought of oh it's too expensive well i i damn well bet if you took all the money you spent on your ten dollar mcdonald's and i know this because i've done this so don't come at me with this shit like oh you're a hypocrite like because you still do like no motherfucker i did it i spent so much money on fast food and all this shit you take a fraction of that and put it towards, just like what Tempo said, starting on the exteriors of the grocery store and purchasing real foods instead of fake bullshit, you're going to save money. So fuck out of here with that cheap, like, it's too expensive shit. I, I'm sorry, like, I hear that all the time. It's like, no, listen, you can do that. You can eat so well, and you can still eat foods that you really enjoy. Like, I just, I like, today, I made a huge lunch because I had some, we had some friends come through, and I made beer battered walleye with all organic ingredients, nothing toxic. And it was fried in a cast iron skillet. And like, is that good that you should eat that every day? Absolutely not. Was it wholesome as fuck? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Here, here's, here's, here's what I would say off your point. Like, cause this is what happens in the healthcare industry. This is what happens with me as a health coach. Like we get so passionate about this stuff that we just have to remember. And I don't know if you'll like this phrase or not, or your listeners will, but empathy creates connection. 
discipline creates problem solving. So, like, when you establish, like, meeting people where they're at, like I was saying, like, you got to have that empathy, but discipline is what's going to get you to your actual goals that you're looking for. You can't just, just, you can't just apply, like, empathy to somebody who needs action. They need to be told, like, hey, at the end of the day, this is what's going to help you, and it's up to you to make that accountable and that self-motivational tool that sets you up for success. So we want to create that empathy. We want to create connection with good support systems in place. Like you have the podcast, you have like health coaches like myself, whoever you're willing to trust, learn and act from wonderful. Keep that as an empathy, keep that as a connection. But remember the biggest self motivator is your disciplinary action. What, what you say you're going to do, you better damn well do it. Once you say to yourself, that I'm going to do X, and then you end up doing the opposite of X, you just lost all of that trust internally. All of that motivation internally goes down. Say what you're going to do and do it. And when you're acting upon that on a regular basis, find social support systems or individuals or groups that support what you plan to act upon. That's what's going to get you to your goals. You keep the promises you make to yourself, bottom line. Please. Yeah, I think it was like Mamba mentality. Like, if you say that you're going to do it, like, do not burden yourself by not doing it. Right. If you say, I'm going to take out the trash, do not wait on it. (laughs) Go take out the trash. Yeah. I'm dead serious. Like, this is like forward momentum. And we can always stem this back to the gut. Like, oh, I have constipation. I know what causes constipation. Okay. Say to yourself. I'm not going to have this food item today that causes gut issues. Maybe tomorrow, not today. Start from somewhere. Give yourself the trust to make those lifestyle changes and then put support systems in place that are going to keep you going in that realm. It's it's a great conversation that I think is so easy to... I think it's easy to mistake empathy for... I don't know. I'm trying to like, it's easy to make mistake empathy for long-term weakness, I guess, because it's, I'm all about showing empathy to somebody and, you know, meeting them where they're at and whatever, and trying to give them some tools to make things better. But ultimately, and I know this from experience once again, because I spent years saying, I'll do it. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. You know? So you know, it boils down to because you figured it out. You have to you, you have to keep the promises to yourself. Exactly. You fit, and this is what it is. Like whether we have like five years of a health journey, whether we have one year of a health journey or two weeks of a health journey. Like a lot of people, it might take a little bit more time to figure that out. And guess what? You, my friend, you figured it out. You understand that discipline and is going to get you the results. You know, you might have wanted somebody to nudge you in the right direction and give you some of that positive feedback, but at the end of the day, the biggest most powerful tool in your tool belt is you. It always has been. It me I've said this like when we work with clients and patients is that motivation is great from an outside source. But it's not going to mean anything in the long term unless you learn how to motivate yourself. And once you figure that out, Get, you're going to be so much better. You're going to feel much more confident in what you're doing. And you have learned so much about like 
even in this podcast and just being able to relate to where you like all the challenges and all the struggles you've been through, like discipline is going to create those results and you got to stay on point, put yourself in that positive environment that keeps you disciplined. And I'm just going to say this, it, no, it is never easy. And I, I appreciate you saying I haven't figured out. I don't have it figured out, but I am working to figure it out every day because not every day is perfect. Not every day am I the, the perfect version of myself because I never will be and nobody ever is. But I, I'm damn sure I'm going to be better than I was yesterday and the, a year ago and a couple years before that. So we're going to put a pin in that shit because we beat that horse to death. But it's nothing that you Wait, shouldn't. we're on a podcast? I was just talking to my friend, Corey. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't. Uh, yeah, you shouldn't downplay any of it. It's all very important. But we're going to wrap up this gut health episode with a, one last question for you, Tempo. Why should the average t- person take this stuff seriously when we're talking about gut health specifically? Well, the only reason why I would say people should take this seriously is because this all started when I first started RFF Lifestyle. Oh, by the way, everybody, if you haven't gotten RFF Lifestyle, <laughs> Simple Solutions to a Healthy Life, please go ahead well and done. check it out on Amazon via Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, or hardcover. But, well but, done. but joking aside and plug aside is that we need to emphasize that everybody is different, but at the same time, lifestyle is going to always be the primary form of medicine. 12% and this is, came out of a study, I believe, is out of North Carolina or Duke. 12% of our population in America is metabolically healthy. That means that they don't have one or more chronic health condition, whether that be high blood pressure, whether that be overweight, whether that being uh, diabetes. What, what, all of these are metabolic syndrome and lifestyle related. And we have to eventually take some ownership in our everyday life, like Corey was mentioning, None of us are perfect. I've never worked with a robot. I've only taken care of patients and human beings. Like, it, that's it. But we have to acknowledge that our main problem is not being able to take these lifestyle measures seriously. Like, I have one post, I think it was like from our, like RFF Lifestyles a while back, is that we had a high percentage of diabetes deaths. Like, it was like 100,000, like within this year. And we also at the same time had testing sites for COVID and it's sponsored by Pepsi. Like what in God's name are we truly doing? We are not emphasizing or taking lifestyle as a important measure seriously. And this is why I tie back to empathy. Like we have to encourage people to enact upon these healthy lifestyle behaviors that are going to improve the individual problems that they're having. Maybe that is being overweight. Okay, let's start somewhere. Start on the outside of the aisles, start exercising, go for a walk, start doing stuff that's going to get you there. If you got gut issues and you're very serious about that, start maybe eliminating foods or reintroducing foods that are going to improve your gut health. Like we need to start from a lifestyle centric focus when it comes to our overall health as a society and we aren't taking it as seriously as we should because we're still expecting these quick fixes, these simple solutions via drugs, via surgeries, being injections. We just want that quick fix so that we can perpetuate and continue on with our negative lifestyle behaviors, which we all are guilty, but how consistent are you? These emphases of 
eating real food, improve your gut health, get a wide variety of of foods that are going to improve your gut garden, exercise regularly, get quality sleep, reduce your stress. All of those should be the focal point and the seriousness of our health. And the only way to help overcome that is through encouragement, not through force. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Got a, you got to cultivate the gut garden so you can harvest the benefits. Tempo, today was great. Thank you very much for giving us some education about gut health. I learned quite a bit about gut health, so thank you for that. Always appreciate as you coming did on the I. podcast. Yes. I yes. appreciate it as always, my friend. I, I just love talking about these subjects, and like the only one takeaway that you can get from this is Grow your gut garden. Grow the gut garden. That's right. In the best of your ability, grow your gut garden, live a healthy lifestyle. Yep. And before you guys leave, make sure you go on to Instagram. Check out Mike Fleming Tempo uh, at RFF Lifestyle on Instagram and Facebook. And also while you're at it, go over to our page, the Weekly Warrior Podcast on Facebook and at the Weekly Warrior Podcast on Instagram. We've been putting out some dope shit. So go to Amazon, buy Tempo's book, RFF, Lifestyle, Simple Solutions to a Healthier Life. Is that correct? Did I get, did I get it right? Yes, that is correct. On Amazon, uh, it's on Amazon via Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, or you could get the hardcover. Yep, it's right on there. You're more than welcome. Please leave, like, share, review it. Everything's great. And everybody, just a little advice from your metabolic health coach here, if if you like me as your metabolic health coach. Do not eat fucking brand cereal fiber bars, all right? Do do not. Do not. Learn from your mistakes. Do something eat else. good food. <laughs> yeah. do, do not make the same mistake your trainer did. Uh, and guess what? He is human as well. There you go. All right, everyone. Thanks for being here and joining us on this week's episode. And we will see you next week when we help you discover your warrior within.